All right, well, good morning and praise the Lord. Um, we're in a third week of a four-week series on worship as a lifestyle. And we have considered praising, we've considered giving, and today we come to the topic of serving as worship. And we've been kind of exploring the notion, right, that worship is more than just our praise and worship time on Sunday mornings. And it's more than just attending services and doing stuff like that. And in fact, we're seeing that worship is a lifestyle. And it encompasses a great many aspects of our life. And so this week, we come to serving. And I wanted to share just a true story as we think about serving God this morning. Uh, During World War II, uh, England needed to increase its production of coal for the war effort. And Winston Churchill called together the labor leaders of the country to enlist their support. And at the end of his presentation, he asked them to picture in the minds a parade at Piccadilly Square. I've never been to Piccadilly Square, have you You've been there? Yeah, okay, we have people that have been there. So he says, imagine this parade at Piccadilly Circus after the war. First, he said, would come the sailors who had kept the vital sea lanes open. Next in the parade would come the soldiers who had come home from Dunkirk and then gone on to defeat Rommel in Africa. And then would come the pilots who had driven the Luftwaffe from the sky. Last of all, he said, would come a long line of sweat-stained, soot-streaked men in miners' caps. And someone would cry from the crowd, and where were you during our critical days of struggle? And from 10,000 throats would come the answer, we were deep in the earth with our faces to the coal. And that's just a beautiful example, right, that sometimes as we think of service, we Think sometimes of those frontline activities. We think of the soldiers who died in the fields, and yet behind all of them were men who had their faces to the coal, producing the energy and the power and the machines and the things that they needed to do, right? And all that service was very important to the war effort. And as we come to this message this morning on service as worship, you know, that's the thing we need to keep in mind as well as, as the Lord's people, that our acts of service, no matter how big or small in our minds, as they're done unto the Lord, are vital in the work and life of the kingdom of God on this earth. And so we're going to do, as we have over the last three weeks, kind of pick a smattering of scriptures to kind of tie this together in our minds. Uh, But before we do that, let's ask for the Lord's help one more time. Father, we bless you, O God, for calling us your servants. And Lord, we thank you for this opportunity, Lord, to consider for a few moments our service to you as, as an act of worship. And Lord, we ask your blessing on our time. Lord, speak to our hearts. And God, uh, teach us something here this morning. And Lord, let us hear the voice of God. Lord, change us. Lord, make us something different when we leave here today. God, we ask your blessing on the Sunday school as well. And Lord, we commit ourselves to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we've already kind of done a word study in our first session, right? But just by way of reminder, in Luke 4 and verse 8, Jesus answered him, It is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only, right? I mean, that's when he was coming out. You know, he's being tempted by the devil, right? And he makes this amazing statement, Worship the Lord your God only and and serve him, right? No one else. And as Jesus says that, right, he uses two words in here. The first one is worship the Lord. And we, we considered that three Sundays ago, right? That's the word proskuneo. That means to worship, literally fall down, kiss the feet of, right? Then he says to serve him only. And that's where he uses the word latruo, and right? And we saw that that was also translated as worship and sometimes a service. And the whole idea there is that uh, serving God and worshiping God are, are tied up in this, this single thought. That service to God and the worship of God are not two distinct uh, things, but rather they are one uh, uh, in the same. 
and they go together. And Jesus ties it together as he talks about worship and service in the same sentence. It's not just about singing. It's not just about giving. It's about serving. And in Philippians 3.3, it says, We, the church, the believers, we are the ones who worship by the Spirit of God. Right. So we're not going to go into all those studies again. But that's what we're talking about this morning. The worship of God as service to God. So in our first passage, we're going to go to Mark chapter 10, verses 42 to 45. For the greatest example of service that we can possibly have. We're going to start there with the Lord Himself. Mark chapter 10, verse 42. Jesus called them over and said to them, You know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and those in high positions act as tyrants over them. But it is not so among you. On the contrary, whoever wants to become great among you will be your servant. And whoever wants to be first among you will be a slave to all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. And Jesus is having this discussion with the disciples. They're kind of struggling with pride and position. And the Lord is kind of reminding them, we're not, that's not the focus of our message, but just his background this morning, he's reminding them, right, that the ways of the world are not service, but rather lording it over others. That's the general nature of the earth and the people in it. But in, in the kingdom of God is to be something quite different than that, right? And we see here that God's way up is down, as I've heard somebody so eloquently put it, right? The path to greatness with God is, is the lowly, humble place of service, not being in that great position of power and leadership over others. That doesn't impress the Lord. And so he says this amazing principle that if you want to be first, you need to be servant or slave to all. And then he says in verse 45, and this is the focus here for us, even the Son of Man himself, as he calls himself the Son of Man, did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And Jesus comes into the world. He's born as the Son of God. He is God in the flesh. And we would be right to worship Him. And He never denied that. Whenever anybody worshipped Him, fell down before Him while He was here, He never stopped that because it is right that it is His due. And yet, He did not come here to be served. He did not was not born into this world so that the multitudes might just worship Him and serve Him. That was not His purpose in coming in the flesh. <clears throat> but He came to serve and to give His life as a ransom for many. And we know this, but we want to emphasize this morning that Jesus came as the servant, the suffering servant of God. Fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy. Isaiah chapter 53, if you want to do a little more study on that. He came to serve, not to be served. And yet he deserved it. He is due it. He is our creator. He is our maker. He is the sustainer of our life. He's the provider of everything. But he says, I came to serve, not to be served. And to lay my life down, to give it as a ransom for many. Jesus is the greatest example of service. And we know that Jesus was in perfect communion and harmony with the Father at all times. He only did what pleased God. He only did His Father's will. He only said what the Father gave Him to say, 100% all the time devoted and in worship to His Father. The response of his heart as the son who voluntarily came into this world to save sinners. And yet still God. <laughs> it's a mystery, isn't it? But he came to serve. And Jesus is the greatest servant of all. The word that's used here is the same word that we would derive the English word deacon. And it just means to serve, to, to wait upon, 
right? And we can think of deacons in the church, those that serve the church, those that are engaged in practical acts of service to one another. And that's the word he uses here. The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. As we consider how Jesus served, it ought to motivate us in our service to God. And we can do no less. And it's the response of our hearts as we worship him, as we consider what he has done for me. It's the heart of response of love that desires to serve the Lord. Not because I'm hoping to score points with God. Not because I'm trying to build up some kind of heavenly bank account. Not because I'm trying to, you know, show myself to be better than my neighbor. But simply out of a heart of love and response to what God has done for me, I want to serve him. And, and serve it as unto the Lord. Worship includes service. They, they cannot be separated. We can't just come into church on Sunday morning and sing the praises of God, and they are good to do, and then just kind of forget the Lord the rest of the week, right? Worship is praising, it is giving, it is serving the Lord. It encompasses all these things. And we want to serve as Jesus did, and he is the greatest servant of all. And so that's where we begin this morning with Jesus as our example. And, and obviously as we set the stage with him, well then I really don't have any excuse not to serve. Because <laughs> that's why Jesus came. So let's just look at a few other passages here and there. And I've just selected a few. And there's so many that we could uh, look at in the scriptures. And, um, and again, uh, I apologize for this. It's not our usual practice to just kind of hop and skip around the Bible like this. Um, uh, to proof text, but we're just trying to gather our thoughts around this idea of service as worship. Romans 12:11 says this: <clears throat> Do not lack diligence in zeal; be fervent in the spirit. Serve the Lord. Be fervent. Do not lack diligence. Serve the Lord. So there's a very direct imperative, a command to us as the Lord's people to be serving God. And the word that's used here to serve God is, is the word that you, you would use to serve as a slave, uh, is the Greek word that's used here, the same word, serve as slaves, if you will. And we have a straight up command from the Lord, but I want you to notice that we're to do it right with zeal and fervor, with zeal and fervor. It's not to be some kind of grudging task and say, oh, time to serve the Lord again. <laughs> no, it's to be done with zeal and fervor. And you know, in the first century, there was a group of guys called the Zealots. And the zealots were kind of the terrorists of the day, I suppose, in some respects. And they, these guys were Jewish men who hated the Romans. And they went around subversively and they would kill as many Romans as they could. But they couldn't confront them. So zealots were kind of like uh, operatives, okay, in the shadows. And they would literally, they, they would literally, if they saw a couple of Roman soldiers over there not paying attention, they would sneak up behind them, stab them in the back and kill them and then run. So the zealots were people who were very zealous. They were very... You know, they, they hated Rome, they hated the occupation of their country, and they did everything in their power to kill, to maim, to destroy. That was the zealot. And of course, one country might view them as patriots and the other is not. That's not our point. The point is, is that we're to be zealous. It's to be something that drives us and motivates us to take every opportunity to serve the Lord. But that fervency is to be in the spirit and not in our own strength, you see. We're to be fervent in the spirit. And, and that's possible, right, as we abide in Christ, as we walk with Him, as we walk in the Spirit, as we wait upon the Lord for direction. And you know, serving God is not about me just sitting around saying, well, I wonder what I could do today. It's rather, Lord, what would you have me to do today? And, and asking Him to direct our steps into those areas of service. 
And you might be thinking in your mind right now, as some people do, that, well, what, is, what does Mark mean by an act of service? Is that like, you know, leading Sunday school? You know what I mean? Like, is, you know, what is that? And sometimes we look at it and say, oh, well, it's these ministry type things. But I, I, we're going to see as we go through here that, that it, it's, it's pretty much everything we, we do in life. And it's far more than just leading Sunday school, as important as that is. It's a very good way to serve the Lord, by the way. Um, but there's all kinds of ways we can serve the Lord. And, you know, you might find this comical, and I hope you do. But I'll tell you something. Right now, in the midst of this crisis, if your neighbors don't have toilet paper and you do, take them a roll. Take them a roll in Jesus' name. And just give it to them. I mean, that would be an act of service, right, to the Lord. Very good. <laughs> That'll be our advertisement for church next week. Every visitor gets a fresh roll. Uh, <laughs> You know, so acts of service as unto the Lord. Lord, what would you have me to do? How can I be a blessing in Jesus' name to the people all around me? And, you know, Brother Ken said to me this morning, he says, I believe the Lord's going to do something through this, and I, I agree with him on that. And all of, whenever there's a crisis in the world, it's an opportunity for the Lord's people to stand up and to be a blessing to others and to serve the Lord in the midst of those things. <clears throat> So serving the Lord with fervency as we abide in Christ by the Spirit, letting the Lord direct us as to what he would have me to do to serve him. Colossians chapter 3, verse 23 and 4. <clears throat> Colossians three twenty-three to 24. It says, whatever you do, do it from the heart as something done for the Lord and not for people. Knowing that you will receive the reward of an inheritance from the Lord, you serve the Lord Christ. And we're reminded here, right, that we are serving people, but we're not serving people. And I'll explain that, okay? Ultimately, our service is driven out of a motivation, a love for God as an act of worship. So it's always about the Lord. The Lord is the foremost motivator for us and the prime objective and the first mover of service, right? We're doing it from the heart, from pure motives, right? And we, we might question ourselves sometimes, say, why am I doing what I'm doing right now? Am I doing this because I want recognition from my peers? Am I doing this because I, I somehow might be able to angle and take advantage of others through this? Am I doing this to impress God? Or am I doing it from a pure heart, pure motives, as unto the Lord, seeking no reward in return, simply wanting to serve God and to serve others in this. That's what he's driving at here. We, we need to uh, do it from the heart. Whatever it is that we're doing, as something done for the Lord and not for people. Not that, that we're not trying to truly love and serve people. That's not what he's saying. But ultimately, right, with a pure heart, with the right motive to God, that results in right motives towards people. But if I start with people, I might forget the Lord. And I might have other ulterior motives at work here, right? And, you know, as I've shared with you many times, I used to work for big corporations, and big corporations love to advertise all the good works that they do because they want you to buy more of their products, right? <laughs> Never doubt the fact that as corporations, we, you know, some of those decisions are made for less than admirable reasons. But that's not to be the way we are, right? We don't want to, like, parade around town saying, oh, isn't it great? Mark, Mark's such a great guy. He's handing out free toilet paper to everybody. No. Nope. But, you know, quietly as unto the Lord um, for his glory and for his reward. This is given to you in the Lord's name. Thank him, not me. Right? Pure heart, whatever we do, doing it for the Lord, not for people. In other words, not to be a men pleaser and not to be just getting the praise of men. 
knowing that we're going to receive a reward from the Lord. We have an inheritance in him. We do serve people, but we do not serve people. I hope you understand what we're driving at here. And we don't do it for personal gain with right motives. As we worship through service, right, we're given a promise here. We're given a promise here, right? What's he say? He says, you will receive the reward of an inheritance from the Lord. You serve the Lord Christ. And God is no man's debtor. And as I sacrificially give, as I serve him as unto the Lord, he will reward that in the coming day. We have an inheritance from him. And God knows the motivation of our hearts. He sees what we are up to. He knows why we're doing it. And his reward is sure, and it is with him. And we can count on that. Not that we're doing it for the reward, but he gives us the promise nonetheless. And the amazing thing is, when you think about all of this, is that God is the one who has saved me, has changed me, has gifted me, has given me what he's given me to to serve others, and he's going to reward me for it. It's an amazing God that we serve. He's so gracious and so good. And so that's our motivation, right? From the heart as something done for the Lord. The right motives as we serve the Lord, knowing that our inheritance is from Him. We ultimately serve the Lord Christ. And that's what it's about. As I hand out... Sorry, I'm sorry for overworking that example. (laughs) I'm not going to say it. I'm not going to say it again. (laughs) As we serve others. As we serve others. And there's so many ways that we can be a blessing in the Lord's name. And as we've talked many times in this church, right? I think one of the most effective ways to reach our friends and neighbors is not getting in their face and hammering, hammering them with things that they don't really want to hear right now, but rather loving them in practical ways and in living in such a way that it demands a, a question. Why? And as the Lord gives us opportunity, we will absolutely share the gospel with people, but, but let's love them and let's serve them and let's demonstrate to them what the love of God looks like in practical terms so that they say to us, why? And we've had so many examples of that in this town. Of why are you doing this? Oh, well, let me share with you why. Since you've asked. <laughs> Since you've asked, right? And we have so many opportunities to serve the Lord. And that's what we're talking about this morning. All right. Hebrews 12, 28 and 29 says this. Hebrews 12, 28 says, Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful. By it we may serve God acceptably with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. And the word that he uses here for um, serving God is that latreo word that, that talks is sometimes translated as worship in your in your New Testament, sometimes as service. But the idea of worship and service are, are tied up in this word. As one. <clears throat> so we have a sure future and a sure foundation, and we sing about that on Sunday mornings, and we don't make light of the problems of the world as if they don't exist or as if somehow we're not affected by them. But the truth is, right, we have a kingdom that cannot be shaken. We have an inheritance in Christ, and we have a sure promise from Him that we believe and that we know to be true, and that I know that no matter what happens to me, I will be with Christ forevermore. That is absolutely certain. And because I have such a kingdom, and because it cannot be removed from me, I'm to be thankful. And that thanksgiving drives me to serve God acceptably with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. It's from this position of thankfulness, you see. And what does acceptably mean? Well, certainly what we just thought about, right motives, right, from a pure heart. I mean, God wants acceptable service. What's acceptable to God? That which is done truly for Him in His name, with a pure heart. With no side secondary motives. 
right? And and Jesus kind of warned us about that in the Gospels, right? That if we go around banging on the symbols and drawing attention to ourselves, we've received our reward. That's the only reward you're going to get. But if we do it as unto the Lord, not expecting the praise of men, he knows our hearts, then God will reward that. So we're to serve God acceptably with reverence and and awe, right? There's reverence and godly fear here because God is a consuming fire. And that's kind of this tension that we have as Christians, right? That we know the Lord is, is God, he is judge, he is creator, and we have this kind of godly fear of him. It's not a terror, uh, that we fear him in the sense of judgment because as Christians we, we will not face judgment. Uh, we will not come into condemnation. All who have put their faith and trust in Christ are, are safe in him and we will not come into the judgment of God. We, we will face the judgment seat of Christ. But that's just our accounting for what we did for the Lord. But our, our security is in Christ and what he has done and that is sure and it is finished and it is done. But we still are to have this reverence for God as well, right? So we know Him intimately. He's our Father. And you know that word in the Bible is like Abba. It's like, it's like Daddy. You know, it's, we know Him that, on that level. And we also reverence and respect Him as our God. Because <laughs> He is a consuming fire, right? And it's kind of like that picture in Revelation where Jesus appears and, and John, the one whom Jesus loved, that beloved disciple, the one who was so close to Him, He leaned on Him, you know, during the supper. And what does he do when he sees the risen Christ? He falls down dead before him. And Jesus says what? Get up. It's okay. Get up. Right? So we want to serve God acceptably. And we want to have the, the right respect for God and, and understand who he is as we serve him. He is so close to us and we are so close to him and yet he is still our God. Right? And we want to not lose that respect and that reverence for him. So we are going to serve God acceptably. That same word could be translated. We're going to worship God acceptably according to what he's called us to do with a pure heart with the right motives that's acceptable to God first Corinthians chapter 7 just a couple more to go first Corinthians chapter 7 verse 20 this is a little different angle here first Corinthians 7 20 Paul says let each of you remain in the situation in which he was called. Were you called while being a slave? Don't let it concern you. But if you can become free, by all means take the opportunity. For he who is called by the Lord is a slave in the, is the Lord's freedman. Likewise, he who is called as a free man is Christ's slave. You were bought at a price. Do not become slaves of people. Of course, Paul was dealing with the real issue of slavery in the first century, and there was many household slaves, servants, right, that were indentured. And Paul was saying to them as Christians that, you know, they were being saved and coming into the church. And he was saying, look, if you can get your freedom, that's awesome. Do so. If you can't, don't worry about it. You're, you're free in Christ, even if you're in that situation. But here's the opposite truth, that if you're a free man and you're not a slave, you're Christ's slave. Because you've been bought with a great price. And that's what I wanted to emphasize this morning is the, the, the fact that Jesus has purchased us. The Bible talks about him purchasing us with his own blood. He's paid for us at the cross. He's redeemed us, you see. And he's bought us back to himself. He's paid the price for our sin. And God had a price tag on that sin. And Jesus paid that in full, you see, when he died on the cross. That's what the cross is all about. And it's it's like God said, well, there's Mark Palmer, and he's a sinner, and I'm just going to use this for illustration. It doesn't mean anything. The price for his sin is $100. And Jesus said, I'll pay that fine myself. And God accepted that payment so that I could be made free 
you see. But it was something far more than money. It was the weight of my sin, you see. And all of us are in that position. The Bible says we've all sinned. We've all come short of God's glory. None of us are better than the other. But but God, Jesus paid the price. You see, he's purchased me back. Not that I, to uh, treat me like he's not a tyrant. Not at all. (laughs) But to set me free. And he has set me free. And we rejoice because of that. But the point is we've been bought at a price. What price? The price of the Son of God. That's a high price. That's the value that God places on humanity. And I mean, we hear lots of messages about how man is a worm and he's useless and he's worthless. And I suppose that perhaps some of that is true. And yet God so loved the world that he gave his only son. And that's a high price. And that doesn't mean that I am, you know, something that God is obligated to. But it doesn't mean that I am trashed before God and nobody is. No matter what they're struggling with, no matter what the situation they find themselves in. Those that are addicted, those that are bound up in crime and problems of this life, God loved. And God values humanity. So much so that he sent his son to take our place so that we might be set free. And that's amazing to me. And so we've been bought with a price, and that's just another motivation. We are Christ's slave, servant, right? The, the Greek word was used for both of those concepts, doulos, right? It means slave, servant, however you want to translate it. But it's a beautiful relationship because he's not a tyrant, and he always does what is best for us. We're not to become the servants of men. We've already talked a little bit about what that means, right? We want to keep our focus on the Lord because we've been purchased. Praise God. Praise God for that. Okay, one last one here, and then we're going to tie it all together. <clears throat> Ephesians 6, 5 through 8. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 5. <clears throat> Slaves or servants, obey your human masters with fear and trembling. In the sincerity of your heart as you would Christ... Don't work while only being watched as people pleasers, but as slaves of Christ who do God's will from your heart. Serve with a good attitude as to the Lord and not to people, knowing that whatever good each one does, slave or free, he will receive this back from the Lord. And you know, (laughs) there's been times in my life as an employee where I've read this and there's a big gulp in my throat. (laughs) And I've had some people say to me, well, Mark, that only applies to slavery and that doesn't exist today. And I'm like, well, think that it does apply to the workplace relationships that we have and here we have a a very practical example of serving God very practical it's not in the context of the local church it's not the mission field although those are wonderful ways to serve the Lord but it's in our everyday life look how practical it is right we're to obey our human masters with fear and trembling and we're to serve them with sincerity of heart as if we were serving the Lord. And that's hard to do when we have a bad boss or one that hates us. And I've shared lots of stories about that, so we won't do that again today. But this is the challenge to our hearts, right? And God gives us a very practical way to serve Him. This is what He calls us to as the Lord's people. To serve them as we would the Lord. And not to work only while you're being watched, you know, and then sit down and enjoy your newspaper. When the boss comes, get up and work. No, you're to actually... You know, be slaves of Christ, doing God's will from the heart, because that's what he's called us to do, to do our jobs with diligence, with a good motive. Why? Because we bear the name of Christ. We are his ambassadors. And if I'm, you know, not, if I'm like a, a, you know, not the way I should be at work, then I'm, I'm giving a bad name to the one whom I claim to know. 
You know, if I'm stealing from the company and if I'm always never doing as I'm asked to do and I'm always just griping and complaining, that reflects on the witness to Christ. And we're not to do that. We're to do God's will from our hearts. What is the will of God? That we might serve our human masters with sincerity, with godliness, with diligence, with a good attitude as to the Lord and not to people because that's ultimately, you see, what we're doing. It's not that person at work who's difficult, but I'm doing this as unto the Lord as an act of worship. And if I look at it that way, that changes everything. And say, yeah, this person is very difficult. And yes, they do hate me. And yes, there's a problem here. But you know what? I'm just going to do this as unto the Lord. And if I do that, then I'm going to work hard and be diligent. And I'll leave the results to him. And I could share with you my experience in that. And, and I, I'm convicted by this because I was that bad employee. <laughs> many, too many times. Um, and griping and complaining, and the Lord brought great conviction to my heart. So that's a very practical example. But look at this in verse 8, right? There's a reward. There's a reward. Whatever each one does, if it's good, slave or free, doesn't matter the situation, you receive this back from the Lord. The Lord rewards even this. And so as we think of service this morning, by all means, if the Lord's tugging at your heart for ministry, as we like to call it, you know, and I don't even like that distinction. We're going to talk about that next week, by the way. Is the word secular valid? Hold that thought until next Sunday. We often think of service to God. Oh, well, that's a pastor. That's a Sunday school teacher. That's a missionary. That's a this. You know, and those are definitely ways to serve the Lord. But so is just doing your work on your job as the Lord's given it to you. That's serving the Lord. It's God's will and he will reward it. Why? Because you have such an example to shine for Christ in your workplace and in your place of business and how you conduct your business. It reflects on who we are as the Lord's people. And we have such an opportunity to serve him in that uh, as well. We're called to serve. And we're called the servants of Christ. Jesus himself was a servant. The highest example that we have. He gave himself completely. We know that. He didn't hold anything back. And he allowed himself to be shamefully treated. And to be abused for my sake and for yours. And he calls us. To even do the same. It's about serving and doing things as unto the Lord and not unto men. And as we serve God, it is worship. It should be. It should flow out of a heart of thanksgiving for all the Lord has done. And so my worship includes praising on Sunday morning as I sing songs or in my car or at home. It includes giving as I give to the work of the Lord around this world. And it certainly includes my service to him, which basically includes all the work and the the things that I do in his name for others in this life, whatever it might be, whether in the church or out of the church, in his name. And so worship is a lifestyle. Father God, we're so thankful this morning, Lord, for the example we have of your son, Lord. He gave everything for us, and God, he came to serve, and he laid his life down for each one of us. Lord, thank you for your great love towards us, O God. And the mercy that you've shown us. And Lord, help us as your people, Lord, to serve you with joy, joyful hearts, O oh God. And to take every opportunity that you set before us, Lord, to live in such a way, Lord, to show people the love of Christ in such a way that it demands an answer. And so, Lord, in these days, Lord, we pray for a special grace, Lord, that you might make us a blessing to our friends and neighbors and to those all around us, O oh God, in your name, that we might glorify you. And that we might serve you day by day. Lord, and whatever you've called us to do. Father, I just pray that you would uh, speak to each of our hearts, Lord, about what you have called us to do for you. And Lord, we just commit each one to you. Lord, I pray for each family and home that's represented here today. And God, that you would bless each one. Encourage each heart, O God. 
And Lord, we just commit our ways unto you. And we bless your name. We give you thanks now in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, amen. Praise